you very much for coming out this evening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You fuck too kind. Hold your applause. This is your song, not mine. Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Thank you very much for joining us on this pre Thanksgiving episode. I was driving into work today and started thinking of things I was thankful for. And then I was like, oh, good podcast topic. So here we are. And here are a few things I'm thankful for this year. Number one, I'm thankful for the fact that it's another year my family did not give a single penny to Big Pharma. No medications, no flu shots, no fake vaccines. I just can't tell you how good it feels to be free from funding the biggest criminal enterprise in the world. They have corrupted the regulatory agencies tasked with the oversight and public safety. I mean, the FDA is a freaking joke. They don't care about the public's health and safety. Okay, so just for those keeping score at home, the FDA is a branch of the Department of Health and Human Services, and the FDA commissioner is appointed by the President of the United States. They are a government organization. And I'm not saying that there aren't individual people there that are trying hard and trying to do their best work and trying to do the right thing, but we need to be realistic about how you have a career in government. You survive and thrive being a good politician and adapting to the changing political landscape. You don't climb the ladder on merit and integrity, right? Nine out of the last 10 FDA commissioners have gone on to work for the pharmaceutical companies. Okay, so over the last four decades, the last 38 years of FDA agency leadership, nine out of 10 of those are employed by firms that it was supposed to regulate. You should ask yourself, wait, why are they so sought after? Because they were good at their job? Please. They know how to navigate the government. They know how to navigate the FDA. They know how it works. They know how to influence the agency. They know how the agency works. They still have friends there. They still have guys they went out to happy hour with, went to strip clubs with. They're all still over there. And they can dangle that little carrot in exchange for cooperation. Like, you don't think this happens like, bing, bing. hey, Bill, hey, I just spoke with Albert and he said there's a position be opening up uh, with your name on it as soon as that uh, dumb fucks uh, COVID inhaler is approved by, uh, by you guys. So why don't you guys get on that and come join us over here in Pfizer land, make high, high six figures, and uh, we'll all call it a day. And I just want to use a real world example just to prove my little point I just made there. President Trump appointed Scott Gottlieb in 2017 to the FDA commissioner. Now, he had served as the deputy commissioner to the FDA under former President George W. Bush. And you might remember seeing Scott on the network news telling the American people the Pfizer vaccine was safe and effective. And when you were watching him tell you this bullshit, under his name, it would say former FDA commissioner. Huh. Now, that is true. He is a former FDA commissioner, but perhaps the more transparent title should have been current Pfizer board member, Scott Gottlieb, because yes, he is both the former commissioner of the FDA and current Pfizer board member. When the news that is sponsored by Pfizer intentionally misleads its viewers to think that the guy giving a fucking infomercial 
on an experimental product that his company is selling is the former public servant and therefore has the right intentions and you should listen to what he's saying because he's here he's here from the government and he's here to help like when they do that when you see that do you a not think about it b think it's an honest mistake on the network's part and they could categorize them either way it doesn't make any difference to you or c laugh at the people who are watching the tv in the first place now if you picked A or B, my suggestion is you need to change your information gathering habits. That's the nicest way I can put it. And just start asking yourself how you arrive at your decisions. How do you arrive at your conclusions? The what you think you know. How do you even get there? Back to Gottlieb real quick. Just to really put a cherry on top because you know I love over-explaining shit to prove my point that I could have said in one sentence, but then these would be very short episodes and I unfortunately already have way more material. So, back to Gottlieb. During his tenure at the FDA, one of Gottlieb's main initiatives was to speed up the approvals of biosimilars. Okay, so biosimilars, just think of those as generic forms of biological drugs. Okay, so just they're just generic forms of drugs that treat autoimmune conditions and certain types of cancers. So that's what he was working on. That was his main initiative when he was the commissioner of the FDA. His main initiative was to speed up the approvals of biosimilar generic drugs. So when Scooter left the FDA and went to Pfizer, everyone was like, whoa, Scott, you know, this seems like a little bit of con- conflict of interest. And Gottlieb, you know, really calmly just put everyone at ease and said, quote, I'm confident my record at the FDA demonstrates I put the public health interest first and called balls and strikes based on the science and the public interest, end quote. Well, I feel better now. He obviously put the public first. He put science first in his role at the FDA to speed up approvals of generic forms of biological drugs that treat autoimmune conditions and certain types of cancers. So was it just the coincidence of all fucking coincidences that his new employer, Pfizer, was developing not one, not two, not three, but developing four biosimilar drugs. You know, the generic form of biological drugs that treat autoimmune conditions and certain types of cancers. So Pfizer is currently developing four drugs to compete with some of the most popular biological drugs in the market today. Do you think they have an advantage? You think Scott Gottlieb's going to be calling balls and strikes on behalf of the public or the shareholders? Again, I don't know why you would even utter the phrase, according to the FDA, and there not be some punchline preceding that. I will continue to leave a breadcrumb trail for all of the customers of Big Pharma to hopefully open your eyes and just look directly at the criminal organization with clear eyes and a full heart and ask yourself some tough fucking questions. In fact, here's a fun exercise. If you're a big pharma customer, find a mirror, look deep into your own eyes, and ask yourself if you think big pharma gives a fuck about you, about your health, about your safety, about your family, or do they care about your money? The second thing I am thankful for this year is COVID. Now, both me and my wife say it on a regular basis and people look at us like we're insane. So let me get into why COVID and all of the sideshows that came along with this circus were awesome 
for my family and why I'm thankful for such a tragic thing to happen. First thing is COVID uncovered so many things that without it, we would have never discovered or would have took us way longer to discover. And by then it probably was too late. Public school is full of shit. It's indoctrinating our kids. It's sexualizing our kids. It's making our kids fucking miserable. And they're doing it on purpose. We got to see the curriculum during the fucking remote learning. We got to see that the ski club was not allowed to meet or even exist, you know, because of COVID. But the gay club was in full swing with membership, meetings, kids passing out rainbow buttons in school. We got to see the pornographic child books available in our school libraries. And on a personal note, 11-year-old Nick was very fucking jealous of that. Because when I was a kid, I would have to go to the public library, search through hundreds and hundreds of pages of National Geographic to find one picture of an African tribeswoman bare breasts. And there was an education to our publicly available porn back then. I'd learn about geography, other cultures, indigenous wildlife, like all sorts of educational things in an attempt to see one set of unsupported boobs. I want my kids to be able to be kids. I want my kids to be able to think critically. That is my only goal for their childhood and their education at this point. And thanks to COVID, my wife and I knew that there was 0.0 fucking chance of that happening at public school. And we live in a town with a very good public school system. I mean, there's an 11 to 1 student to teacher ratio. The town spends $20,000 per pupil. So that means that the school spends $20,000 on every student from the federal money, the state money, and the local money. That's really good. Without COVID, my kids would still be there. And I'd be sitting back thinking, oh, my kids are benefiting from being in a, quote, good public school. I'm not sure that even exists today. Thanks to COVID, I'm paying half of that per student expenditure that the government spends to fuck up our kids. I'm spending half of that money per kid to send my kids to a private school with no curriculum, with no classes, with no grades, where they enjoy free speech, where they participate in democratic process and deciding everything from the budgets of the school to school activities, everything down to what staff returns each year. Think of how cool that is. You suck as a staff member, the kids will vote your ass out. Did you have any shitty teachers that you wish you could have prevented the next generation of kids from having to suffer through? They have a school meeting every week. They have judicial committee every week. You can write up anyone who breaks a rule, even a teacher. And if you're getting written up, you got to go to the judicial committee. They call it JC. And they hear the case. Your peers decide your fate, whether you're guilty or you're innocent, what your punishment may be. Think of that process and how much kids learn about accountability and about doing what's right and wrong and about fair punishment and about discretion. All these life lessons are learned on a weekly fucking basis. I mean, where do you think my kids will be more likely to learn critical thinking and to get to be kids? In a state-run prison system of the public school or in an environment that doesn't segregate kids by age? or by test-taking scores, or an environment that promotes free speech and teaches kids real consequences of it, and the responsibility that also goes along with free speech, an environment that does not force conformity down your throat and doesn't crush your fucking soul and your individualism. Thanks to COVID, 
we were able to give my kids the only thing I wanted for them in this age, in this, in their education, critical thinking and go be a fucking kid, be bored, use your imagination, learn how to talk with people. These kids that go to this school will look an adult in the eye, have a conversation with them and be completely comfortable. Now they don't teach that in a classroom, but who has a better advantage in life? The kid that's better at taking an MCAS test or the kid that can look a fucking adult dead in the eyes, have a smile on his face and talk to them. What kid is going to get a better opportunity from adult? In my opinion, it's obviously the latter. COVID also exposed toxic relationships in my life. I'm so thankful for that. The thing about a bad relationship is it's, they're not easy to spot and it's, and it's hard to realize that you're in one, okay? Because a bad relationship can appear healthy until something changes and then it becomes obvious. I had way more friends before COVID. I had better relationships with most of my family members before COVID. But what COVID taught me is that they weren't real relationships in the first place. Meaning they didn't like the real me. They liked a certain version of me. And what I learned is if people only like a version of you, then obviously they don't like the real you. And what helped me figure this out and accept the consequences was a meme. That's how powerful those fucking things are. And I don't even remember exactly what it said, but it says something to the effect of like, if you're not saying something or holding back who you really are because it may affect how someone will look at you or treat you, then they don't like the real you. That was very powerful to me because it made me understand that they only like this safe, quote, safe version of you. And if they knew the real you, they wouldn't even like you. So here I am rocking like a fucking hurricane. I only want real shit in my life. If you only like the version of Nick that makes your life better, that makes your day easier, but then can't deal with the disruption in your own life caused by Nick when he does something that makes his day better or his day easier or his life more enjoyable. That's not a healthy relationship. Just like talking about yourself in the third person, it's not healthy. And I'm rid of the relationships that were only one way. When I made life altering decisions that were best for me and my family, I forced people to have to look at and deal with the consequences of their own actions, their own life, and force them to change and force them to change an otherwise constant in their life. You know, nah, Nick will take care of it. I'll call Nick, he'll do it. Once Nick stops fucking doing it, then you're like, fuck, I gotta do this? And then you get mad because, you know, you're affected now. So if the people in your life don't celebrate your victories with you, and don't support you doing what is best for you, no matter what it changes on their end, then you go, bye-bye. You are better off without that toxic, altruistic bullshit that will prevent you from living your best life. You know, the only life you get, the one fucking life you're living, why would you spend it serving others at your own detriment is something I'll never understand and no longer participate in. So thank you, COVID. Because without that, 
I'd still be pulling the fucking wagon and everyone would be in it enjoying the ride. And I'd be like, this is a fucking hard life. When do I get to enjoy it? So empty out your wagons, people. Lastly, COVID gave me a real world exercise to see how I would respond in the face of tyranny. I love history. And I don't know about you guys, but when you read it, I would insert myself in it and just think in my head, I would think I would always do the right thing. If I lived during these, you know, crazy times in the past, you know, would I help people in the underground railroad? You know, cause th- today me believes that people are human beings. So I would always want to help human beings. You know, would I be plotting against the Nazis if I found myself in 1940s Germany? Would I have the balls to do what is right when doing what is right is fucking hard or dangerous and unpopular, right? You always go through that thought exercise in your head. We've lived in very safe times. We've never had to, we've never had the opportunity to see what we're fucking made of. COVID gave me that confirmation that I will do what is what I believe is right, even though it's hard or dangerous and unpopular. I picketed outside a public school my kids didn't even go to to advocate for kids in my own community. I donated my hard-earned money to the Canadian Trucker Convoy, to the March Against Mandates in Washington. I offered to donate $10,000 in diesel fuel for the U.S. Trucker Convoy. I wrote my politicians. I tried debating as many people as I could. I tried to raise the alarm. I started a fucking podcast. I stopped worrying about the consequences and did what I thought was right. And I can't tell you how good that feels, how light I feel. I'm not carrying around regret. I'm not worrying about defending what I believe. So thank you, COVID. I've been sharpening my mind and pressure testing my ideas on a daily basis because of it. You have to. If you have the balls to go against the consensus of the machine, you have to do that. And that's all thanks to that taxpayer-funded gang of function research we weren't supposed to be doing anymore. But we were, and it leaked out, and it infected everybody, and it gave, it, gave me that opportunity to figure out, to find out what the fuck I was made of. So thanks. Thanks, COVID. And lastly, to end on a positive note, I am thankful for my family. My wife, who supports me no matter what. My kids, who give me the courage to risk everything I have today to do whatever I can to fight for their tomorrow. I'm thankful for my parents for giving me a toolbox that I use every day. Because I really believe without the toolbox, I would not have been able to achieve the life I've lived so far. And they didn't teach me everything I know today. But they poured a foundation that could support learning and gave me the confidence to take risks. Thankful for my sister, who was the only person I could count on to to have the, the moxie to call me out every time it was warranted. Thankful for my two sets of grandparents, who gave me heroes to look up to, and role models to aspire to. Thankful for my aunts and uncles and cousins and friends who taught me so much over my life. So today's call to action is courtesy of my best friend, Michael, who texted me this morning and said, if I don't talk to you, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the family, even with the difference of views and opinions. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your time tomorrow with your families, despite the craziness.
to shine I would still be loving you When mountains crumble to the sea There will still be you and me Today my world, it smiles Your hand in mine, we walk the miles Thanks to you, it will be dark For you to me, I'm the only one I'll have happiness The sun refused to shine I would still be loving you Mountains crumble to the sea 